1: Yeah, I'm Jim Richardson, and I've got a great message for you today. We call we're calling this one the first Antichrist. Now, this is a part of the series on Mystery Babylon, and one of the reasons we have to go into the first Antichrist and his kingdom is because uh, on the forehead of the Great Harlot, a name was written called Mystery Babylon. Now. As I've said, I don't know that it's important that we actually identify any specific physical city in the world to define or identify Mystery Babylon because it's a mystery. It's not, this is not a reference to a particular physical city. Now, I'm not saying there will never be a physical city that will represent uh, Babylon, but I am saying that the force. That is working against the world is a spirit that actually is very predominant in many cities in the world and as we've already learned it's basically through the world economic system that the all of the nations of the world are being seduced and getting by with a murder on every level that you can imagine and all they've got to do to keep getting back into power and keep the people happy is is they've got to keep the the economic system functioning. And so, but I want you to understand Mystery Babylon because remember, Mystery Babylon is the primary influence that ultimately seduces the whole world. And this has been going on since man brought sin into the world. Uh, And it's taken all these thousands of years for actually for there to be enough worldwide influence that we could bring about the rise of the Antichrist. So we're talking today about the, the first Antichrist, and if you've read your Old Testament, you'll understand that the first uh, clear-cut Antichrist or the best model or type of the Antichrist was, was a fellow by the name of Nimrod. Now, let me remind you, as we talk about the Antichrist, don't always think of Antichrist, even though the the ultimate Antichrist is going to be someone who opposes God, who opposes morality, who opposes all truth, uh, who who launches persecution against Christians and against Jews. And listen, if you know what's going on in the world, all around the world, Christians' rights are being are being stripped Christians are being persecuted in many countries of the world Christians are being imprisoned and uh and in many countries of the world in your in your middle eastern countries Christians are being assassinated uh and and we don't know about it because our media covers it up also the anti-Semitism of the of the u n uh of of many really the United States is getting involved in this now, so there is there's massive persecution building against Christians and Jews. So ultimately, there will be a final Antichrist who will stand up and openly and directly oppose God, openly and directly oppose the Word of God, and openly and opposedly try to destroy Christians and Jews so as to stamp out any knowledge of God in the earth. But uh But don't think of the word antichrist as just as that being who will openly attack everything that represents God. Because the word anti, as much as anything else, has to do with with a substitute. And we've we've already talked about this. But you have to remember: anytime a substitute is offered for a, a biblical truth, a biblical explanation, that substitute is being inspired by the spirit of Antichrist, which is in the world. Paul said even, even whenever he wrote the book of 2 Thessalonians, he said that that spirit was already working in the world. This is not something that is new. But Mystery Babylon, as we've talked about, is more about, about getting people to embrace all of the substitutes. And if you have listened to last week's message, you know, we talked about th- this progression where, where we we start out considering an alternative to the Word of God, and then that puts us in doubt because doubt is where you're trying to choose between two and then ultimately, uh, doubt moves into actual uh, unbelief where you where you don't have, you don't believe the truth of, of the Word of God and then unbelief eventually leads you into lawlessness or what the King James calls iniquity where It's not that you don't believe the Word of God. You now oppose the Word of God. You now make yourself an enemy of the Word of God. And so that's what's happening in the world today through this spirit of iniquity that is working through mystery Babylon. Now, in Genesis 10, verse 8, it talks about how Cush, which was a descendant of Noah, begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Now, the word Nimrod tells us so much about who he was and about his character and his nature because uh, the name Nimrod means to rebel. Now, Nimrod was the first world dictator, and he was the first person to try to uh, subjugate the entire world into uh, an anti-God movement, if you will, and stamp out all the knowledge of the world. Now, so one of the things that many of your of your Hebrew scholars have said is that, and you'll see this that you know Nimrod basically uh, was trying to convince people of the same thing that religion does today, and the same thing that that people who really hate God do today, is to convince people that God is the enemy. Now, Luciferian religion says God is the enemy. Everything that's going wrong in the world today is because of God. And the idea is, you know, one of the great false doctrines is is the doctrine of sovereignty. Now, God is sovereign, but the problem is the definition of sovereignty is different than, than what it has ever been. You know, sovereignty means that God can act and does act without inside influence or without outside influences affecting him. And so... But the concept of sovereignty has been totally changed to mean God can do anything he wants to. He can break his word. He can lie. But even more than that, the concept of sovereignty today presents the idea that God is in control of everything. God is not in control of everything. That is diametrically opposed to what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that God gave dominion and authority in planet Earth to man. And what's happening in planet Earth is only the will of God when people yield themselves to God and yield themselves to do His will. If people are not yielded to God, if they're not yielded to the truth of His Word, then they bring evil and chaos and destruction into the world uh, as they pursue the gratification of their lust and, and their their desire for evil. But uh, Nimrod was a very interesting interesting fellow because he, he promoted the Luciferian doctrine that God was the problem and promoted the idea that people needed protection against God. And, and he moves from that over time, he moves from that to actually not just suggesting this, but taking control of what people thought and, and what people taught and, and, and creating an external. Uh, uniformity, not unity, but u- uniformity. now the Bible says in um in um, verse nine of Genesis, it says that Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now we read that passage of scripture, and we kind of get the idea that Nimrod was just a great hunter, and somehow he did this before God, and it almost makes it sound like that he was submitted to God or or, or honoring God, but, but that is not what this the same. The concept of him being a hunter before the Lord indicates that he he hunted and he exalted himself before God. He put himself before God. Now, why is it important that we know about Nimrod? Because Nimrod helps us understand what will be coming upon the world uh, when the Antichrist actually emerges um, to a place of power. And so, Nimrod is a hunter. Now, what's interesting When you look at everything that you can find uh, in Jewish history and uh, anything that teaches about the the ancient world during this time, uh, you realize that Nimrod wasn't just a hunter of animals and a hunter for food. Nimrod was a hunter for men, he was a hunter for the souls of men. And ultimately, by taking control of people by force, by violence, and by intimidation, This would become the basis for his world domination. So he's exalted himself before or ahead of God, and he is a hunter for men. And the Bible says in verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel or Babel, according to some people pronounce it differently. Now, it's really interesting that the word Babel has to do with confusion. As a matter of fact, that's what the word literally means. Now, I want you to understand, evil, corrupt governments, evil, corrupt people, evil, corrupt businesses, they always gain power by creating confusion. You know, one of the things that I've watched in my 71 years here on planet Earth is I have watched uh, our administrations, it didn't matter if they were Republican or Democrat, it really doesn't matter, Uh, but I have watched them. Make everything about dealing with the federal government more uh, difficult, more confusing, more conflicting. I cannot tell you how many people have sat in my office and talked to me about about getting in trouble with the IRS, for example, and and really they can't even find an IRS agent on the phone or anywhere that 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 agrees on uh, on how to understand certain uh, things about the codes of the IRS. It's the same way with, uh, with Medicare, Medicaid. You see it all the time. There's mass confusion. And you know when you, take, when you take a document that is dozens of pages long to say something that could be said in one paragraph, the only goal there can be is confusion. So when people start getting confused, they, they, they get angry, they get intimidated, they start to feel insecure, and so this creates an environment where people start crying out for someone to help them. Well, the problem is, uh, in the case of governments, we turn to the very uh, governments and the very leaders that create the problem. And then when they run for office, they, they capitalize on the fears that they have created and they promise to solve these problems and the voters are so naive and so unknowledgeable, they don't know that they're voting for the people who created the problems to start with. Now, one of the things about the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew language, you can can look at the root word, which usually has three letters, and from these three letters, you can understand things about the word that go beyond just a plain, uh, simple uh, definition. You can get you can move from a translation to interpretation by what you discover that each of the letters mean. now, the the Babel or Babel would be would be spelt bet, bet lamet in the in the Hebrew language. Now, the bet is a really interesting thing because bet can represent a house or it can re- represent a heart. Now, so, and usually those two go hand in hand because whatever the the heart of of the father of the house is or whatever the heart of the leader of the house where that house is a home or whether that house is a government or or whatever uh the heart of the person that is in charge is is really what drives the if you will the heart of the house, the heart of the organization, the heart of the of the administration and and what happens in, in the world of influence is all ultimately a reflection of the hearts of the people who are running the show. And so the more you look around and see massive confusion, massive conflict, the, the more you know that the people that are in power have wicked hearts. Because you know when the Bible talks about good and evil, it's not just ta- I mean, it's not just simply talking about good and evil in the sense of okay, this is bad and and and, and this is good. I mean, yes, that's part of it, but these words have very, very vast meanings. And it, one of the things that evil always represents is confusion. And so, and so again, confusion is always at the root of all evil leaders, because if they can, can, if they can create confusion, then people never know who to trust. It's easy to deceive people. And, and really easy to take you know, advantage of people. You know, one of the concepts of the word Babel is Bab would be house and heart, uh, a house that is being influenced by the heart that's driving it, and El, which is one of the Hebrew words for God. So this could also be referring to the idea of the Tower of Babel as being a house for the gods. And I'm talking about Small g here. I'm not talking about uh, large g here. Now, with Hebrew letters, they have positive and negative, light and dark concepts. And so, while there are many, many positive things that you can find about the letter bet, uh, the shadow is to feel uh, spiritually superior to other people, to be filled with pride and filled with arrogance. So, Babel, which later became known as Babylon, as far as the city goes, but the tower was called the Tower of Babel. so you you realize that all of this was being inspired by a heart that felt spiritually superior to other people. And that's that's what we're facing in the world today. We are facing a situation today with with people who who say that they're against religion and government, but everything that they do is based on their religion. And they feel that they are the elite. they feel that uh, uh, that they somehow have rights that other people don't have. They feel like that those of us who believe in God, those of us who live by moral values, that, that we must be eliminated because we are the ones causing all the confusion and problem in the world. Well, no, we're, we're not the ones. But in their superiority and their, their elite mindset, they're filled with a false uh, spiritual pride and arrogance that justifies every wicked thing that they do. Lying is okay. It has has amazed me. It's gotten so much worse over the last 50 years since I've been really involved in political things. It it amazes me how that not only do people, politicians now lie openly, continuously, but their their voters, the people that get behind these, these politicians that lie, they don't care that they're lying. They have an idea, they have a philosophy that they want to push down the throats of the whole world, and they don't care if if everybody's lying uh, as long as that line gets them what they want. Now of course, in, Bab- in Babel, the uh, the last letter is "Bet bet, lamed. Now the lamed is uh, is can be can be very positive. It can be about teaching and. And and the Lamed is a picture of a, 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 of a person bowed down on their knees with, with hands raised to heaven. And, and there's a little bump in, in the center of what looks like these hands raised. That bump represents the heart. So this goes back to the heart. But remember, learning and teaching uh, can be a positive thing if we are looking to God as our source, if we're looking to the Word of God for our source. But if we're trying to get, gather knowledge for to to uh, for power and and self importance and to create this this elitist mentality, then you have to understand that becomes a very 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 wicked thing. So Babel not only represents confusion; it's, it represents a, a house that's being built uh, out of self importance, out of elitist mentality. Uh, out of, out of seeking to learn. And, and when it goes to the dark side of learning, particularly in spiritual matters, you're talking about going to, uh, a secret hidden knowledge. Now, I want to jump over and I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about Nimrod, who he is, about his life, and uh, so that this will help you understand the coming Antichrist that we're going to, that we're going to be dealing with. And let me remind you, you know, uh, I always make my audio series different from my, um, than my video series, but I try to make it where through all these video series and through the audio series, you get the knowledge that you need to know how to put things in practice, always know how to be an overcomer. And plus every time you purchase uh, the the audio series, it actually gives us resources to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So you're not only investing in yourself, you're investing in the whole world. Now, according to Jewish history, uh, Abraham's father was actually a general in Nimrod's army. And Nimrod, uh, remember, Nimrod said, look, uh, we're going we're gonna to move we're going to move over here and we're, we're going to go find a place where we can build this tower unto the gods. Now, they weren't trying to build a tower high enough to escape a flood because they built it in a valley. They were trying to build a tower and something about this tower probably uh, gave them capacity to connect with the pagan gods. Now, more than likely, this tower was a portal that was used by the Nephilim and by other other uh, antichrist spiritual beings to to move around the world. Very probably, these spirits could move around the world through the portals that were created by ziggurats, by by uh, 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 pyramids and and by structures like the tower of Babylon. and so uh, uh, so Nimrod, uh, like a Herod that we read about uh, in the bible and really like what is what was going on with hitler these wicked leaders rely very heavily on their on their on their sorcery on on mysticism on all of these black arts that that you know that people use to connect with demons and so nimrod's astrologers actually uh, were able to see by reading the stars that a deliverer was going to be born, and so Nimrod uh, did exactly. He was the first one that that we know of to do this, but he did exactly what later Pharaoh did, and trying to eliminate Moses, and then ultimately Herod did in trying to eliminate Jesus, and that is he set out to kill all of the babies under a certain age because he was afraid that this deliverer that was coming was actually going to be the Christ. Because remember, all the way from the garden, there was a prophecy given. God spoke forth a prophecy in the garden that that the seed of the woman come and would actually be the one that would would crush the head uh, of the serpent, uh, which was a prophecy about the Antichrist. So so these wicked leaders with their dark arts were always, always trying to read all of the signs and understand uh, what was going on in the world. So uh, Jewish history says that it was actually Abraham's father that uh, was responsible for killing the babies. Now Abraham, his mother, uh, had difficulty bearing a child, and so they were they were getting on up in age. And finally, while her husband, the general in Nimrod's army, is out killing babies, um, uh, she becomes pregnant. Now she now Nim, Nimrod's father realizes that. I mean, not Nimrod's father, Abraham's father realizes that. Um, that if Nimrod discovers this, he will have to kill his only child, and they may never have a child again, because evidently, you know, she had difficulty uh, bringing forth a child. And so they hid Nimrod in a cave, and I'll tell you that there's a lot of interesting Jewish history about, about Abraham, and ultimately, I'm, I'm going to skip to one of the shortest parts of what they write about Abraham. Ultimately. As Abraham got older, you know, he, he came out of the, of the cave and he looked up and saw the sun in the sky and says, what, what what is that? And his father says, well, that, that's the sun god. And so remember, the Bible tells us that Abraham and his family, they were uh, pagan worshipers when they were in Ur of the Chaldees. And so, and so they, you know, this is all Abraham knew. So Abraham, evidently, according to the story, goes back in the cave at some point in time. He comes out at night. He looks up and says, Well, what is that? And they said, his parents taught him, This is this is the moon god. This is the moon goddess. And the moon and the moon goddess uh, overcame, you know, the sun god and comes out at night. And so Abraham, according to their history, said, You know what? I just, I don't really want to know the sun god. I don't really want to know the moon goddess. I want to know. Who created them. And so Abraham turned his heart to God at a very, very early age, and ultimately they had to escape uh, Nimrod's reach in order to keep Abraham from being destroyed. Now, Abraham was a deliverer, but he was not the ultimate deliverer, but it would be through the bloodline of Abraham that ultimately uh, the Christ, the Messiah, would come forth. Now, one of the things you want to understand is that Nimrod, he, was, he his wife was Semiramis, but uh, his wife, Semiramis, uh, was also either his mother or his stepmother. Now, Semiramis was the one very wicked one who, 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 after Nimrod was killed, it was Semiramis who declared that he had been risen from the dead and that he had actually been reincarnated as the sun god, and she claimed that as she lay relaxing with the warm rays of the sun, that she became pregnant by the rays of the sun, and uh, and so Nimrod had a child by her. That his name was Tammuz, and so and so this was the beginning of all of the myths of the sun gods. Uh, with Pharaoh, you know, whether it was in Egypt. As a matter of fact, there is possibility that Nimrod's kingdoms or his reach was actually Egypt, as well as the rest of uh, pretty much the the Middle Eastern world. And this is where the idea came that the sun go- that the pharaohs, when they died, that they were raised, their spirit was raised from the dead, and they literally became the sun god after they died. Now this, believe it or not, this is exactly what, in in, in our White House, uh, in the tundra, this, this is what is expected to happen to our presidents when they die, according to many sources. But the point is this, this was a kingdom truly committed to opposing God. Tammuz became the very first false Christ, and uh, Uh, Semiramis, by the way, was eventually identified as the Mother of Heaven, which gave rise to the worship of Mary in the Catholic Church. You know, uh, uh, we're not supposed to worship Mary. We're not supposed to worship the saints. We're supposed to worship God, and we're supposed to commune with Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And any, any intermediary that you put between you and God becomes a substitute, which is always the work of uh, an anti, of the Antichrist spirit. Now, I want you to know all of these things foretell and, and reveal to us what the Antichrist is going to do when he comes to power. Listen, be sure and join me next week. I'm going to talk about the first Antichrist kingdom.
0: Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.